Chapter 13 of Mabel Ross, The Sewing Girl. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter 13 The Old Boots. Hilda's search of the next day did not result in her procuring a room or a place for work, but she was more fortunate upon the morning following, having discovered a room in a small house on Polk Street, from which the tenants were going to move out in a few days. It is true this family informed her that the cause of their leaving was the raising of the rent, the landlord now demanding seven dollars a month in place of the five and a half which had previously contented him. But the difficulty of finding a room was great, and time to Hilda was now important, as she had engaged to enter upon a new sewing place upon the following day. Upon her reporting concerning this room to Mabel, therefore, the latter concluded to go the next morning when she would be out carrying home some vests, and, if possible, engage it. That afternoon, she noticed Hilda busying herself in a corner about something she seemed desirous to keep to herself. "'What are you doing, Hilda?' she inquired at length. "'Mending my boots,' was the reply. "'Or, I mean, trying to mend them. They've been letting in the water for some time, and this morning a stone got in and almost lamed me.' Let me look at them, rejoined Mabel, who was engaged with her sewing machine. No, for I don't want you to be bothering over them, and I know that will be the next thing. I want to be a little more self-reliant, Mabel. You have enough to do without mending my old shoes. I didn't propose to mend them, only to look at them. Perhaps I can show you a better way to manage them. Hilda limped across the room, the boots in her hand and silently placed one of them before her sister. Mabel lifted it and gravely examined it. Poor child! I did not think they were so far gone, she said. I see you have cobbled them up before, but they are almost past mending now. I think I can put a piece of that old slipper into the largest hole, replied Hilda. See, I have almost done this one. Not badly done, Hilda. But still, it will scarcely stand your walk tomorrow to the store. You will have to have a new pair, my sister. And where are they to come from? Oh, Mabel, if you only knew how I have watched and watched the wearing of those shoes, and how I've hoped and hoped again that something would turn up to enable me to get another pair at my own cost. What a miserable, ill-contrived girl I am that I can't even earn my bread and a pair of boots after three months' work and more. At three shillings a day, how could you? said Mabel soothingly. But cheer up, Hilda. You have a place now, and you can take your first earnings to buy a pair of good new boots. And take bread out of your mouth and dear little lilies to do it? Oh, Mabel! I've been a simpleton and a wicked, wicked girl. I ought to have stayed at Cousin Algin's. You were right, as you always are. I ought to have stayed. If she'd put her foot on my neck even, I ought to have stayed. But she didn't. She was decent enough in her way, and she believed she was giving me a decent enough time, too. She kept me in good clothes and good food, and I only didn't know how good they were. If I hadn't come from her with things almost new— and with boots just out of the store, I'd have been in rags and barefoot now. 
and I don't know how I'm to keep from being barefootin' in rags, Mabel. Oh, I don't know, I don't know. It's coming on me fast, fast. But I suppose I've got to bear it, like many a better girl before me. As she finished speaking, Hilda bent her head over her old boot and burst into a passion of tears. This is not the way to be self-reliant, Hilda, dear, said Mabel gently. Finish your boot and put it by for outdoor wear. You can always have my slippers for the house, and that will save them until you can get others. While saying this, Mabel was quietly progressing in the cobbling of the boot Hilda had left with her, and before the latter, having checked her tears, had gotten well under way at the finishing of the one she had been busy about, her sister had the other completed, in as good a way as circumstances permitted. Oh, you have done it, and how nicely, Hilda exclaimed, as, having at length finished the mate, she took up the other one from beside Mabel. If I could only be like you, Mabel, only so smart and capable and so able to do everything well, why was I made such a clumsy bungler at everything I take up? We have all our gifts, dear Hilda, all something to be thankful for. Gratitude for these is not only due our creator, but makes our own happiness. Tell me of one thing I have to be thankful for just at this time, Mabel, said Hilda after a pause. Something, I mean, besides a good kind sister to advise and help me. I know I have that. To begin with, Hilda, you have health, which is a very great blessing in itself. Compare your condition with that of our suffering little Lily, with that of many a poor sickly girl who, like yourself, has to work for a living. Have you forgotten those two consumptive sisters you were telling me of the other day, who sew for Steen, and that go with scant clothes and almost shoeless feet through cold and damp? Oh, Mabel, I had forgotten them, and I do thank God that he hasn't made me like them. Poor girls, I believe if they had decent comforts, they'd be nearly as well as others, but with all they have to go through, it's no wonder they're what they are. They boil over their tea leaves a second time to drink, and take it without sugar or milk, and all they have to eat with it is a crust of bread, and that, maybe, dry and stale. Their mother's a cripple and can do nothing, and they have to support her, as well as themselves, on the little pay they get for their sewing. If you were but to see those poor girls, Mabel, you'd think, like me, that it would be no strange thing if they were, one day, to fall dead over their work. And if they did, what would it matter, except to the old mother, who would be left to starve? Steen would have two other girls in their places before an hour was over, two others to grind down, as he has poor Fanny and her sister. I tell you, Mabel, this sewing business seems very like some of the dreadful things we read of from the war. The sewing girls are poor creatures, fighting for the morsel to eat and the rag to wear, and when their health and strength are gone— or their hopes died out, why, one after another, they fall and are trodden underfoot. Others, oh yes, plenty of others crowding on to fill up the ranks, greedy to get even the little pittance such men as this Steen give. But it's something, 
and so is a dime something, though it's to buy bread and clothes and pay for coal and house rent. My dear Hilda, how you excite yourself! Is it any wonder, Mabel? Hilda asked this in a tone so low as to form a strange contrast to the one in which she had just spoken. Isn't it for this very steen I go to work tomorrow? My dear sister, it is. But don't be discouraged because of that. You are young and in strength, and neither are you alone, but with a sister beside you, who will do all God gives her to do to lighten your burden. Mabel, it discourages me more than you can think to have to work for this man Steen. I tried so hard to avoid it, as you know, but what could I do? Any place where better pay is given, if ever such a trifle better, is caught up by others who have more experience than I, and so I'm reduced to the condition of that crowd pressing on to fill up the ranks, the poor girls willing to catch at anything that may be called something. But this little something is not the all we have to depend on, Hilda, and for that let us be thankful. With little Lily so much better as she is now, the more time I shall have to work at the vests. I don't fear, but we shall do well. Still, Mabel, it doesn't change the fact that I shall be bringing a mere mite to help along. Nor does your bringing, what you call a mere mite, change the fact that you will be doing your best, dear Hilda. It is not your fault that you can bring no more, but the fault of those who, taking advantage of the necessities of poor sewing women, make such unsuitable return for their labor. Mabel, are there not many things in the Bible which seem to touch directly at the employers of poor sewing girls? There certainly are. Very many are the warnings against that greed of gain, which induces this one class of people to be so cruel to another. The oppression of the poor is spoken of as a sin particularly hateful in the sight of God. A dreadful score will there be against such men as Steen and Lelleman, then. Dreadful indeed, for we cannot but believe that God, in his justice, will deal with them in that spirit of retribution he has promised. End of chapter 13